Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Thank you, thank you. I think I'm out of breath. Are you out of breath? Yeah. You preached a message there. Here, let me move this down so I can see it. There we go. Happy New Year. It is good to see you. I'm hoping that you enjoyed your New Year's celebration. You know you're at a different place in life when you celebrate with your wife uh, New Year's Eastern Standard Time. You know that you're, uh, something's happening, you know, something's happening. And that you watch Downton Abbey and you go to bed at 10 o'clock. That's uh, what we did New Year's and we enjoyed it. But I hope you enjoyed your New Year's Eve. How many have new goals for 2015? You have new goals? Or maybe renewed goals, ones that you're working on from last year that carry over to this year. That's not bad. You should be able to do that as well. I have some new goals. I signed up to be a member at a local gym the other day. And, uh, yep, I am going to be a new person this year. Uh, I'm cutting back on sugar. Uh, I'm eating better. I'm challenging myself to do things physically that I really don't like to do. Um, in fact, uh, last week I went to an exercise class with my wife. She's been trying to get me to this exercise class, and I have not wanted to go there. And the reason I have not wanted to go there, and I'll be honest, is because I, I don't want to look weak in front of her. <laughs> you know, she, she can do this. I can't. And uh, so, so it's just kind of stepping out and doing things like that. But I can tell you the most difficult part of, of me going to that class was understanding the leader's instructions. Uh, when you're new at something, you don't have a clue what people are saying. And in a lot of ways, I was learning a different language. I felt out of place. I felt a little bit awkward. Really didn't know my way around. And I'll tell you this. The experience has given me a n- renewed appreciation for those who have recently started coming to church. Those that are new in faith in Christ. I mean, the language is different. Uh, the way life goes is a little different. It can be a real challenge to change your old ways and practice new ways. So the question that we're asking this morning is this. How do you change? How can I experience new life? Because I think we all desire change. In fact, you were created to change. God has wired you to change. We are created to be compassionate people whose life and relationships are marked by love and forgiveness, whose lives are a healing, freeing, transforming touch of God in the world that we're part of. That Jesus says, be salt and light. And what it means to be salt and light are the virtues that we find in Christ. And that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Um, I know that when I was growing up, my dad, my dad is a great coach. Uh, he coached me through a lot of different things, life things, sports things, and Um, I was struggling in some skill sets that I wanted to learn uh, in baseball. I wanted to get better. I just wanted to get better, and I seemed to hit a wall. Maybe you've done that with skill sets. Maybe you've done that with a venture that you've undertaken in life. And I'll never forget, my father said to me, he says, well, what you need to do is you need to find somebody who has what you want and do what they do. That's good instruction, and it's pretty practical. But this is what I know. I know that it's only in Jesus that we can experience true change. It's only in Jesus that the deepest desires of our heart are met. 
When you read through the New Testament, the New Testament writers, and they speak of this phrase, and they mention this phrase often, especially the Apostle Paul, the image of Christ. Let's not forget that today. I want you to remember that, the image of Christ. What they mean is the fulfillment of you and who God has made you to be. That's what the authors are saying. That's what the Holy Spirit is wanting to convey to you. That, that you've been created uniquely, that God has given you a particular purpose in life. And the problem that we run into, the thing that we face, is we often compare ourselves with other people. Uh, we look around and we say, well, I want to I, I be like them. I want to be like that person or this person. And I think there's a certain extent that's okay. But really, when it comes down to who God's created you to be, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, listen, when you look around, don't compare yourself with everyone else in life. In fact, he goes as far as to say when you do that and you're not really authentic about change in your life, you're not authentic about becoming like Christ, then it's a foolish path that it gets you nowhere. In fact, it'll bring discouragement It'll bring futility to your life. That we would be people, when we model Christ, we would be people that would love and serve like Jesus in our own unique ways. And that's what I want to affirm in you today. That God has given you unique ways, unique expressions of the gifts and the desires that he's put in your heart. And what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to perfect that in us, isn't he? He's wanting to grow that up in us. This last year we've talked about living sideways and I've been so pleased to, to see and witness the different ways that you have lived sideways, loving your neighbor, loving the world that you're part of. I mean, I looked around and I saw prison ministries that began here. I saw shut-in ministries, hosting tea parties, inviting neighbors, reaching out to others who are in trouble, uh, the addict, the grieving, the poor. I have a good friend I've known for over 25 years now. Bill Roberts is part of this church. And, and Bill is one of those guys that I want to be like when I grow up. You know, you have people like that in your life. And that Bill, most of the time, flies under the radar. But what he does is he helps people in their most desperate times, most desperate moments in life. And Bill is a chaplain for our fire department, for our police department. And he goes on to, into those places where tragedy strikes immediately in people's lives where people are hurt, they're harmed, there's death involved. And what he does, and I've seen him do this, I've been with him, he brings this calming, peaceful influence of Jesus Christ and lets people know, even in those most difficult places in life, that God does care for them. And that's what it really means for us to live sideways. I want to encourage you to continue to look around you. Lift up your eyes, have the eyes of Christ, have the ears of Christ, and, and look and see and hear what God wants you to do. Where does he want you to go? A problem that's common to many of us is we have this idea that being in the image of Christ is something that we add on to life. You know, it's, it's one more thing on the th- thing to do list. Okay, well, I need to be like Christ, check. And uh, we go down a list and we have all these things about what we need to do and who we need to be like. But something we look at and we say, well, we, we, we see this as something that can be strange that God wants to add on to our lives, something imposed upon us from the outside that doesn't really fit us, when in reality, the image of Christ is the fulfillment of our deepest hunger to be whole and complete. You see, God wants us to be whole. He wants us to be complete. And that's what the image of Christ is really all about. 
But what we try to do is we try to fill our hungry hearts with all sorts of inadequate substitutes. And, and you can name those. I mean, when you go through your life, you have a, a, a list there probably. You can see, yeah, this is where I try, to, I try to fulfill that hunger, that desire in my life, those places that are hungry. And, and, and whenever we do that and it's not Christ, again, it, it's inadequate. It, it doesn't fulfill you. It never will fulfill you. Being conformed into the image of Jesus is what brings cleansing. It's what brings healing. Restoration, freedom, transformation. <clears throat> you see, it's, it's Jesus and only Jesus that brings compassion to places of indifference, forgiveness in the places of resentment, kindness in the places of coldness, openness in the places of defensiveness. It's in Jesus that our life is lived for God and not for self. Because naturally, my inclination is to live for myself. Uh, naturally, I do things and I recognize and I, I pray that the Holy Spirit makes me aware of this, but I, I do things and I have to ask myself the question, what motivated me to do that? Was it to look good in front of people? Was it to feel better about myself? Um, all those things are, are selfish. And so I'm looking and evaluating my life according to the image of Christ, according to what the Bible says that this is the image of Christ and the way that I should live. And I'm saying, why am I doing this? Am I doing these things for the right reasons, to serve others, to serve God? You see, again and again, the New Testament tells us that this is the work God is seeking to do in us. The work that He's seeking to do in you And the work that he's seeking to do in me is to grow us up into Christ-likeness. And that's really fundamental for us. It's really important for us to understand that as we begin a new year. As we go into a new year, we need to know what matters. Uh, We need to know how to experience change. And what's fundamental to all of us, and we need to keep this in front of us, is Christ-likeness. That that's God's work in us. He's seeking to do that work in us. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. What veil? That veil of, of darkness where your eyes were blinded to Christ, where you were an enemy of Christ. And now that you know Christ and you're following in his image, that veil's removed. Uh, Paul also says you see through a glass darkly. We still don't see it as well as we should, and we won't until we get on the other side of this life. But he goes on and he says, And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. What is that? That's Christ-likeness. Paul writes in another book, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, and he gives us this... um, this composite of the image of Christ and the call that, that we have on our lives to be like him. And it's in, uh, begins at verse 3 and it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, who? In Christ. <clears throat> For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. 
Now, I want you to hear that because this is a powerful affirmation that God chose us in Christ when? Before the foundation of the world. That that, that just blows your mind, that you were thought of, that you were understood, that you were known by God before the foundations of the earth, before creation ever came about. God has chosen you. And I think today some of you need to know that. I, I think you need to know specifically and hear this directly that God has chosen you. He has not left you out. We all have a need to belong. We all have a need to be, <laughs> to be chosen. And, and what that does to us and what that feels like and what we understand when we have been chosen, God has chosen you. There was no surprise in heaven when you were conceived. Your mom and dad may have been surprised. Uh, people around you, uh, they, they may have been surprised, but God wasn't surprised. God purposed you into being before the foundation of the world. This is powerful. This is powerful, especially for those who see themselves as accidents. Or you might see yourself as unwanted. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you, you, you look at your life that way. Maybe that's the mark over your life, that when you think of your life, you think of your life as an accident. You, you think of yourself as unwanted. You know, there have been people that I've sat down and talked to who have gone on this, this search to find their biological parents, and I understand that, and they were adopted. And, uh, and, and it's grueling, and, it, and it's heart-wrenching, and... And to find that and to <clears throat> look into your past and really not know what your legacy is or your heritage is. And I remember sitting down with one person who had come to a conclusion. And it was so beautiful to hear them. Because what they said to me really affected my life as well. Uh, what they said to me is this. They, they, they said that God had spoken to them in this quest to find their biological parents. That God had spoken to them and said to them, I am your father. I am your father, and I've always been your father. And don't you think that's a true statement for all of us? That's a true statement for all of us. Now, here's the news that we all need to hear. That even in our failure, even in our incompleteness and brokenness and bondage, all that hinders our growth toward being like Jesus, it is still God's good pleasure. You heard that in in Ephesians. It's still God's good pleasure that we should become his children. That, now, that's astounding. I mean, it's one thing to pick a good child and say, you know, that's my favorite. That's the one that I like. That's the one that I want to spend time with. It's another thing to, 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 to pick children who are absolutely broken, who are incomplete, who are pain in the rear. God says about all of us, in, in your state of devastation, and brokenness, it was his good pleasure to choose you. There, there's no one that goes beyond the limits of God in their brokenness. What God is saying is every one of you that have experienced brokenness in your life or incompleteness or devastation or you don't think yourself worthy, what it says here is that God says that he, in his good pleasure, has chosen you. That God is present, and, and you need to hear this, 
that God is present even in the most destructive areas of bondage in your life. Because those are the areas oftentimes we exempt God in our own mind that says, well, he's, he really can't stick around or hang with me because, I mean, I'm pitiful. But it's those areas that God wants to show up and will show up. Uh, Christmas Eve, 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve, received a desperate phone call. <clears throat> desperate phone call. A young man who has, uh, has been in recovery, relapsed, and he found himself in jail. And he'll be there for a while. And, uh, and the first thing he said to me is, he said, my life is over. My life is ruined. It's, it's, it's gone. It's, it's down the toilet. And, and w- w- what I was able to communicate to him, because somebody needed to at that time, to say to him, even in this most broken moment of your life, God is there. You may not feel like it. Uh, you, you may not. But, but God is there with you in this place. And what you need to understand is it's now the opportunity, the time to embrace him and God's presence. I, I gave him a little more instruction. I said every time they have a, an AA meeting, a recovery meeting, then your butt better be the first in line. That's how you get this. Every time the chapel doors open or you can spend time with a pastor or a chaplain, your butt better be the first in line. You need to get up there and you need to stand there and, and you need to learn. And you need to know that God is there. His presence is there. That God meets us in those places in our lives that are the most alienated from God. See, our mind reverses that. Because that's the way we think about ourselves. But it's not the way that God thinks about you. God is there in grace. He's there offering us cleansing. He's offering us forgiveness. He's offering us freedom. He's offering us healing. And, and if I were to summarize just a, 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 a caption that would help us into the new year because I believe this is what the new year is going to be about in our lives, I would say the caption or the word is freedom. It's freedom. That right now there is this, I, I, don't, I don't know any other, uh, any other way to say it. There's this dispensation of grace that is opening the door for freedom in your life. Areas that you haven't dealt with. Areas that have been so alienated from God. They've been so destructive. You found yourself in bondage and you've looked at your own life. And you've said, I'm in the outside and I never can get in. And God says to you, on the contrary, it's in those places that my grace will work in your life. But that's so uncomfortable for us. It's uncomfortable for us because we would rather focus on the places that we feel more whole. We want to focus on the places where we feel more mature or more accomplished. Now think about this for a moment with me, if you would. How much of your devotional life and your worship is designed simply to affirm you? I mean, how, how much? Because our, our practice is to show God, it's to show others, it's to show ourselves the areas of our life that are well along the way, that are more processed, that are more mature, and we take pride in that. 
And we say, well, here it is. This is, this is my maturity. And though, those are the things we want people to see. Those are the things that we lift up to God and we say, God, look at, look at how good I'm doing. When really being conformed to the image of Christ takes place mainly at our points of unlikeness to Christ's image. Hear that. Because that is where you desperately need change and that is where you have no ability to change yourself. See, those are the places that God, and I'm going to say this, (laughs) that God's Spirit wants to worm into your life. You need to know something about the Holy Spirit and if you don't already know this, I'm going to break the news. He is absolutely tenacious when it comes to growing you up into the image of Christ. Absolutely tenacious. That, that he just, he doesn't give up as easy as you give up. And you might be sitting here today and just feeling all by yourself, just feeling alone. I understand that. The prospects of a new year scare you to death. Because you're wondering, am I going to repeat the same patterns? The Bible says, in Christ is where we grow. And in those places where I'm unlike him are the places that he wants to show up the places that he wants to do work in in your life. Here's what I know about myself, and maybe you can identify with this, is that many times when I simply want God and others to see my more mature Christ-likeness, the question I have to ask is this. Maybe such a practice becomes a defense mechanism against the areas that are not yet conformed to the image of Christ maybe when I just lift up the more mature areas of my life, they're acting as a smoke screen. And I'm saying, here, look at this. I want you to see this. Look how mature I am. You know, look, look, look at my walk with the Lord, but behind that smoke screen is brokenness. Behind that smoke screen is pain. And, and God says, Don't, uh, pull that defense mechanism down. So in the process of conforming to the image of Christ, what takes place at the points where we are not yet conformed? I mean, what is essential for me to be like Christ in those areas that are not like Christ? Well, I think there are two things and two words that I want you to remember. In fact, they'll be the rallying words that we'll use when we come to the Lord's table today and when we receive prayer today because all of us need to do this. Um, The first thing is this. The first thing is confrontation. Um, How many hate confrontation? You know, if you didn't lift your hand, you're not telling the truth, but... uh, And it's one thing not to like confrontation. I don't know very many people who are actually good at confrontation. Confrontation's just as tough. It's a tough thing, but <clears throat> here it is. Dealing with my unchrist likeness will always be confrontational. It will always be confrontational. Because there's, these colli- there's this colliding between self and what I know is the image of Christ and Christ in me. And they, 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 it's like oil and water. There's a confrontation. 
And the Holy Spirit is confronting you with the areas of your life where you're not Christ-like. That he's, as I said earlier, he's after you. He's constantly after you. I remember coming home from a, a practice one day, and again, my dad being a good coach, I said, you know, I'm tired of this coach ragging on me, man. I mean, every time I turn around, every time I do something, that guy is in my face. And my dad said something I totally unexpected. He said, good. He said, you know when you need to worry? is when he's not in your face. When he's not speaking to you. When he's not taking time to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is our encourager. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. And the Holy Spirit is um, confrontational. It's the probing work of the Holy Spirit to confront us with areas in us that are not like Christ. That probing will always be a challenge because we're being called out of brokenness. And that's what he's doing. That's the call of the Holy Spirit. Calling you out of brokenness into wholeness in Christ. And it's a challenge because that brokenness is is who you are. And I want to explain that. That brokenness is who you are. Because you were born into a sinful world. You were born into a dysfunctional family. No matter how good that family is or was, it's dysfunction. There's brokenness. There's brokenness that, that you've grown up with that just you look at yourself and say, that, that's me. That's, that's part of me. That's who we are in this world. And so when we come to this place of confrontation, the Holy Spirit is, is bringing that to our notice. And sometimes we fool ourselves into believing that our incompleteness, that our, and I'm going to use a word here, that our deadness is like a sweater that you can just unbutton and you can just slip off and go your merry way. That, that's, I'll just take it off. Take off my brokenness. It's not that easy. Because my brokenness is me. Someone once said, we've met the enemy and he's us. He is us. For several months I had this little saying on my mirror. And every time I looked in my mirror there was a say, saying that says, the problem, you're looking at the problem. And... Um, and how true that is. You're, you're looking at the problem. <laughs> it's me. It's me. What has not been conformed to the image of Christ in you is not simply a thing in you. It is part of who you are. And that's why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. That our cross is the point of our unlikeness to the image of Christ. Where we must die to self in order to be raised by God. There's a, there's a picking up of a cross and saying, I'm being confronted through the cross of my Christ unlikeness. And then I need to pick that up. I need to acknowledge that and say, this and these are the areas of Christ unlikeness, and I need to pick that up. I need to pick up my cross. I need to die to self, because that's really, doesn't, isn't that what the cross represents? Dying to self so that you can be raised by Christ, be in the image of Christ. But if you don't die to yourself, if you don't pick up your cross, you can't leap over that and say, now resurrect me. 
Now raise me. Now bring life to me. Because there's a dying process before life is brought. We want the resurrection. We do. Um, I love the resurrection. Um, I want to be alive. I want to live. I want to be changed. But there's a cost to that. And the cost to that is what Jesus said. Pick up your cross and follow me. The second word that I I, I want to mention here today is not just the word um, confrontation, but it's the word consecration. I want you to remember that because going into a new year, it's important, this issue of consecration. So what is consecration? I'm going to put it in terms I, I think I can understand, and that's this. This is about saying yes to God at each point of unlikeness to Christ's image. It's saying yes. That's what consecration consecration means. It just means that I'm confronted with my unlikeness to Christ. And when that happens, how do I respond? The word says here for you to be in the image of Christ, for you to grow in the image of Christ, you need to say yes to that. You need to say yes. This is where I'm unlike Christ. It's about giving God permission to do the work that he wants to do with you right then and there. And I'll put an exclamation on that. Right then and there. Um, Because you know how we do this. Um, Our flesh gets in the way and we can defer that moment of confrontation. We can defer that moment of saying yes to another day. Or another time because we see it maybe as something insignificant. Jesus doesn't. The Holy Spirit. He doesn't see it insignificant. We do. So we make the judge. And when we're the judge, that's what got us in trouble in the first place. So let's just say that. Because you made yourself the judge and jury. Because you're the expert in your own life. um, You have to ask yourself the question, why does my life stink right now? Because I was the judge and jury. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, what we're talking about is something that's very piercing. What we're talking about is something and uh, as somebody who knows you better than you know yourself. And when he confronts us with our unlikeness to Christ, what he's saying is, here's your opportunity to say yes. To say yes. And beginning a new year, 2015, it's important that we start that way and we say, whenever I'm confronted, I consecrate that time And I say yes, and I move right then and there that I do what God's asked me to do. That that really is surrender. That's obedience to the work of God in my life. And you know, when it's something that I don't really want to do, I can justify it. I can put it off. I can procrastinate. I'm the best. But all all I know is, is that consecration means I say yes. It's about giving God permission. Change will not be forced upon you and me. And please understand that. You'll be confronted with it. But change will not be forced upon you. That's not the way of the Holy Spirit. That's not the way of God. It must be invited into your life. Change must be invited in your life. God is standing at the doors of our lives that we have shut And we've seen the picture of Jesus knocking on the door, the scripture that says, I stand at the door and knock. I want you to put a plural to that, the doors, because there are doors that we have shut and we have said, no, 
no entry, no trespassing, you know, caution tape, crime scene, you know, all those kinds of things. And we say, no, you cannot pass. And there won't be any work there because what happens is God's standing at the doors of our lives that we've shut. We have shut God out and imprisoned ourselves in. And those are the places that Christ wants to come. Those are the places that he wants to, to, to free you. When we respond to the confrontation of the Holy Spirit at the point of our brokenness, with a consecration, with a yes that invites God to work, that's when we begin to experience the reality of being conformed in the image of Christ. That, it's at that point, at that moment in your life that you begin to experience an authentic transformation in your life. Confronted, consecration, yes, that's when change happens. That's when change, true change happens in your life. That is freedom. That is freedom. That's freedom. And I think the direction that I know uh, for me and for our lives is to experience freedom. And today we're going to come to the Lord's table. And um, what we do, what we have done for years, is we finish the year out, and I think it's appropriate we do this, we finish the year out as we did last weekend by, by sharing the Lord's table together and going and receiving prayer. Uh, last year we received a blessing, a, a, prayer, a, a blessing of prayer for the new year. Uh, this year, th- this beginning year, when you come to the Lord's table, um, I want you to remember two, two things. I want you to remember confrontation and I want you to remember consecration. That's why we take the Lord's table, by the way. is So things that are not like Christ in me, things that are alienated from God in me, are confronted through what represents the body and blood. That is the essence of communion. Do this in remembrance of my image, of me. Do this in remembrance of me and everything in you that's not like me. Do this. Confront it. Pick up your cross. Follow me. And then, whether you go to prayer before or after the Lord's table, I'm going to encourage you to go to prayer. We'll have prayer teams around this building. And you, you to be able to pray that prayer of consecration over your life. Just say, yes, Lord, uh, give me the humility and the courage, uh, the desire, the passion uh, to say yes to you every turn in my life. Every moment I'm confronted, let me say yes to you. And uh, the scripture that I want to give you, I'm going to do two things. I, wanna, I want you to hear this again. I'm going to ask that we put up Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 again. And we are going to uh, modify it just a little bit. We're going to make this personal. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to read through this. And you can read quietly along with me on the overhead. But every time it gets to the word us, you put in me. Because this has to be personally experienced. This has to be personally experienced. And so I want us to do that. You just say the word me when we come to that word us. 
It begins at verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose... Say that louder. He's chose me in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given in the one that He loves. May that be yours this new year. That, that, that this is yours. This freedom is yours in the new year. This is what God wants you and me to get a hold of. And as we come to the table, uh, I want to read a, a different passage than I normally read. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 in the NLT. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your evil actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. He's done this for you. And the way is open. The way is open. And so today, when you come to the Lord's table, remember that the bread represents His broken body, which is for who? Me. It's for you. And that broken body, literally, it made a way for us. I love the imagery that's used in the New Testament. That the moment that the Lord spoke and he said, my body has totally been empty. That's the word kenosis. It's been emptied out. And it's been broken beyond recognition. And he said, it is finished. That word means your salvation has been made perfect in his body. What does that mean? That now you have a passageway to God. And literally the curtains in the temple were torn miraculously that once what stood between you and God no longer stands between you and God because of his broken body and then you'll take the cup and the cup represents the blood of Jesus and I said this last week it's worth repeating the blood of Jesus um, is the only remedy for your deadness See, it's the only, see, it's the only um, remedy that th- of the things that take life out of you. It's the only remedy for sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, and by his shed blood, my sins have been forgiven me. The very thing that weighs you down, the where, very thing that makes life so miserable has been removed by the blood of Jesus. He's emptied himself. He's emptied himself. And so come to the table. And you can also bring those things that are in your heart. Write them down. Maybe 
prayer requests or you have things that you're, um, you're rejoicing over right now. You say, man, I'm excited about this. Write those things down. Put those in the containers. Uh, there's two tables uh, in the front, two tables in the back. We also bring our gifts, our tithe, our offering. We say, Lord, this is a worship um, to you. Um, you know, that's another way that I need to pick up my cross because I'm um, by nature stingy, you know. Just, so I, I look at that. That's not like Christ. That's just, it's, not, it's not Christ-like. So one thing that helps me is when I am generous like him, then I'm in the image of Christ. That's, my, my, that's the way that I practice that. That's the way that I worship. And so when we come to the table, for those that call this their home, we're coming and worshiping, we're saying, here, Lord, we, we want to give you our, our gifts, our tithe, and our offering. What I want us to do now, just bow our heads in prayer. I'm going to invite our um, worship team to come forward. And we're going to continue. As I said earlier, uh, when I'm done praying, uh, what I want you to do, and I, I want you to, to come to the Lord's table and do this in remembrance of Him, uh, confrontation and consecration. Um, confront at the table. This is examine your heart. Confront that. What are, what are things in my life that are not like Christ? And then the consecration can take place at those places of prayer. Stay And the prayer, folks, if you can make your way around the room right now so people can identify you and just do that right now and get to those places and people can see you when we start to open our eyes and worship. Let's, um, let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for uh, making a way. You've made a way for us to change. It's deep in our DNA. It's deep in the fibers of who we are um, to change and be into the image of Christ. That's why we were created. Some of us feel so far away from that. We feel alienated from that. We feel so unlike Christ. And the good news is those are the places that Christ wants to come. (laughs) Those are the places Jesus wants to to visit. But it won't happen unless we say yes. It won't happen unless we step forward in consecration and say, yes, Lord, I pick up my cross. I follow you. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult to do. But it is the places that you want to come and bring change to our lives. And Lord, when we do that, there is this amazing freedom Because whom the Son sets free, who Christ sets free, is free indeed. This is an authentic freedom. Something that begins from the inside out. Let us experience freedom. Uh, Freedom from those things of bondage in our life. Freedom from those things that brought brokenness and, and suffering. Those things that we've inflicted upon ourselves that we don't think you can even get at. Um, We come to you, we give those to you, and we we thank you that you have made a way, that your grace is sufficient. Bless our time together as we share the Lord's table, beginning a new year, as we go to the prayer teams for consecration, just that prayer of just saying yes to the Lord. We say yes to you individually. We say yes to you corporately here today. Let this be the tone, the theme of a new year is saying yes to the freedom that Christ offers us. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say together, 
Amen and amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.